Hi, I'm JJ McQuarrie. And I'm Kevin Kozer. And we host Talking Who to You, a podcast dedicated to the Big Finish audio adventures of Doctor Who. Each week, we look at a different Doctor Who story from Big Finish and share what we love and what we don't. We're looking at everything from the very first stories to David Tennant's most recent adventures, and we hope that you'll join us. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you find podcasts. So give us a listen, and remember, keep talking who. Hello, fellow time travelers. I'm Colin Baker, and you are listening to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast. Enjoy your travels. Travelers, and welcome back to the Doctor Who Target Book Club, the podcast in which we undertake the bar... Shit. <laughs> oh my god. Alright, let's try again. I know again. it's your fault we're not doing the intro. Yes, I know. <laughs> guilt is asleep. Alright, we'll try it again. The podcast in which we undertake the barbarous task of discussing in story order all of the Doctor Who novelizations. My name is Tony Witt. And today we have a three-person discussion panel that is... Fuck. We have a three... We have a... Th- <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ almighty. He is all. not on the panel. I don't know what the hell's going That would be a four-person panel. Well, yeah. if you believe that Christ is both fully man and fully God, so it could be five-person <laughs> panel. But still barbarous. <laughs> Apparently, well, I can't get through that line, so we're not getting into the pre-Christian religion. All Europe. right, so including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979, that would be me. At least I did that right. There's also our intermediate-level casual fan who's seen several episodes but has not previously read any of the books until these podcasts. And this time it's Lordy Dalton Hughes. Please dig me out of this hole. How are you, Dalton? I'm doing all right. It's good to be back. Oh, thank God. <laughs> and finally, we have our newly minted semi-casual fan. <laughs> yes! One who has seen little to none of the original series and has not previously read any of the books except for the ones we've read for this podcast. And this time around, it's the wise and witty and often drunk Alison Fitch-Seyfried. Hello, Alison. A, that is not true. This is just my natural personality and speech pattern. <laughs> B, when do I get promoted to dilettante? Oh. Well, we'll have to make them up. You'll work hard at that. Yes, you will. <laughs> Before before we get to talking about the book, let's talk briefly about our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash dwtargetbc. Depending on the amount you give per month, you will receive, among other possible goodies, a randomly chosen BBC book, not a Target book, since we know you have so many of these that you've built a dog bed for your pet Agador out of them. <laughs> Just to say thank you for being willing to help us stay on the virtual air. And as usual, we'd like to thank our regular patrons, Bart Lammy, Rick Taylor, Toby Bingelsdorf, and Jay Barry. Thank you, guys. I wonder if Thanks you could y'all. use one of those mosaic programs where you load up all your photos and then you uh, the, the computer helps you create a larger image out of them. I wonder okay. if you could do that with Target book covers. Oh, I'm sure if you, you have enough of them and create like an Agador mosaic. You, well, why would you want to waste on Agador? Do something interesting with it, but... I'm going to tell the Agador you said that. Well, you tell the Agador. I haven't fed him today. (laughs) We also have our Goodreads discussion group where you, the listener, can discuss upcoming books and previous podcasts. And you think you all don't have enough to say about this book. No one responded this time. Mm. You can find us there at... 
tinyurl.com forward slash y7kmaspr. In fact, we expect you to, except this time. We continue now with our discussion of the second story of Season 9, The Curse of Paladon. Without further ado, here are some fast facts. Doctor Who, The Curse of Paladon, adapted by Brian Hales from a script that aired from 12972 to 21972, published by Target Books in January 1975. As of this recording in September 2019, this title is currently out of print and is available as an unabridged audiobook, 142 pages. Who reads the audiobook, Allison asked us. And, well, that's a question that has two answers to it. Not you, it seems. Not me, because I'm not no good at it. There is an abridged version from the 80s, read by John Pertwee himself. Oh, excellent. Yes, and there is an unabridged version, read by David Troughton. David Troughton, who plays Peladon, who is, of course, the son of Patrick Troughton. Ah. Yes. So, yes. Oh, he is? Oh. He is. And you have seen him, because you've seen the new series. You've Mm -hmm. seen the, the, the episode Midnight where they're going across a planet and there's some sort of, the sun is too bright so they have to go in and there's something outside that's trying to get oh, inside. That's, that's one of my favorite episodes yeah. like, of the, the series. The professor, the older guy, that's mm-hmm. David Trout. Oh, That's Paladin. Okay. Yeah, when he was younger and Hello. prettier. In the middle of, of nowhere. As pretty as any of the Trout boys ever get. <laughs> yeah, the jeans, you know. Um, there's surprisingly little to say about this story, and apparently that seems to be the, tr- uh, the case with my two uh, panelists, too, or how it came about, except it seems to be a comment on Britain's decision to join the European Economic Community, oh, okay. the EEC, which was eventually folded into the same EU that they're trying to Brexit from. Okay. It's also notable for having Patrick Brown's son in it, David, as, uh, is in the cast as Paladon. And it brings back the Ice Warriors as good guys. In fact, we have to talk about the Ice Warriors because I don't think I uh, warned you or anything. But, no. yeah, they just kind of, surprise! Ta-da! Yeah. Apart from that and the fact that it's the first Doctor Who story to be shown out of production order ever, there's just not that much that's notable about it. I can't find anything about it. I can't find anything about... Barry Lutz wanted to bring back the Ice Warriors. Yeah, there's nothing like that at all in any of the uh, sources I normally go to. The book is a little more noteworthy, at least. This is the uh, this is the eighth Target book to be published. It's also Hale's first. We've already read his other one, the Ice Warriors, which he would write before his tragic death in 1978. You can say this much for his work, apart from the sequel to this story, The Monster Paladon. Yeah, we're going back to Paladon, guys. No two of his stories are at all alike. You have to give them that. The Ice Warriors, for instance, is very different from Seeds of Death. Allison, are you about to puke over there? No, I'm sorry. You're right. Trying to avoid belching into the microphone so much of my. Why has that ever stopped me? Discreet. No, me. All right. I I thought you were like, God, not the Seeds of Death again. I was trying to preserve the integrity of your explicit recording. Well, thank you. And The Smugglers is nothing like any of the rest of his scripts. This book was also going to be published in Turkish, but that edition was cancelled for some reason. That's nobody's business but the Turks. Oh! Yes, I'm glad somebody got it. 
and Pinnacle was going to release a U.S. edition before it lost the distribution rights to Lyle Stewart. Actually, there is one noteworthy thing about this book, and it's ridiculous. I looked it up on Amazon. Amazon is selling a copy of this reprint, the 1982, for $860.48. No one enjoyed it. I guess. I can't even tell. There's nothing... There's nothing unique about it it's not signed by anybody Especially it's, it's just, a reprint too it's the like, reprint really? yeah that's the reprint yeah so it's like 860 dollars really for that someone who's incredibly stupid and has a lot of money well well we'll eventually buy it probably yeah. but god that would be really awful because they get this book which one of you would like to do the honors on the back cover for us it's in my hand so i guess it, it is it, indeed it, i guess it's me Again, the terrifying cry rang out. The doctor quickened his pace along the gloomy tunnels of the castle. Suddenly, from the darkness, slumbered the mighty Agador, royal beast and protector of the kingdom of Peladon. The doctor fumbled in his pocket. Would the device work? As he trained the spinning mirror on the eyes of Agador, the terrible claws came closer and closer. What is the secret behind the killings on the planet of Peladon? Is Agador seeking revenge because the king of Peladon wants the Kiss Kingdom to become a member of the Galactic Federation? Will the Doctor escape the claws of Agador and discover the truth? Mm. Speaking of the truth, did you say the rural beast? The rural. The royal. Royal beast. <laughs> it's royal. like, well, he needs lots of room to stretch its legs. <laughs> it's all, keep a beast like that in town. Rural, yes. That's true. What's that southern drawl coming out when I get tired? So I, I figured that's I get what tired. it was. Uh, yeah. It's the, it was uh, fun. the 30 Rock movie. Uh, one of the cast members is doing a movie called The Rural The Drawer. Rural Drawer. And no one can understand what's being said. What's the movie again? The Rural Drawer. You still don't know what the title is? Oh, no one does. It's gone on way too long to ask her about it. This title isn't hard to understand, right? No, it's awesome. I love that we can work while we're on cocaine. Yeah. So, yeah. Ice Warriors, eh? Yeah. <laughs> you betcha. You betcha? <laughs> Where do you want to start? First impressions. What were you expecting from this book? And what did you get out of it? My first impression was, is it Krull? What's... Krull? Krull, I think. It... Rin Fair sci-fi movie. I only oh. made it through, through the first 20 minutes or so. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of Rin Fair in yes. outer space kind of stuff. And that's what this reminded me of. Actually. Commander Eddington from uh, DS9 and, before he lost all his hair. And, well, and specifically lizard people in outer, outer space with robes and lasers. Yeah. It's, not, it's not terrible. It's just not inherently yeah. interesting to me as a setup. It's more Babylon 5, really. I mean, you have the, you know, the council that happen to be of all different races, and they're all very weird in their own way. At least there's that. They, you know, went out of their way to do actual aliens. Well, and they yeah. were quite distinct, and I actually really liked having the Ice Warriors brought back as someone to deal with as potential allies, rather than just someone to fight. I'm not sure we've seen much of that before. No, we have not. We have not. And in fact, that is something that, um, yeah, whenever the Ice Warriors are depicted in audio, and the one time they've appeared in the new series, it's hard to tell whether or not they're villains or heroes, because, well, not heroes, but allies, I guess you'd say, because they do have a code of honor. It's a bit like the Klingons, but get on their bad side and you're on it for good. Yeah. Actually, I'm sorry, they've appeared twice, because we've seen a female Ice Warrior now. 
who have seen the uh, Queen of the Ice Warriors. She's a badass. Oh. And she has nipples. It's kind of... Well, no, she has boobies. It's kind of weird for a lizard to have boobies. That, I... It troubles me when birds and reptiles have mammaries. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Shoe is notorious for this. <laughs> yeah. Sexy ladybirds yeah. with mammaries and cleavage and yes. Yes. Well, and part of it too, and and they mention in here is that they they have the mask, they have for that mm-hmm. helmet, so it's kind True. of obscures their facial features. So you kind of, they're just kind of like, yeah. How do I take you? Yeah, I think it's more a breastplate in her case because when yeah. you do see the Ice Warrior out of its armor in that new series episode, there's a lot of armor around it. It's a kind of a thin thing. Yeah, it's still deadly, but it's yeah, it's like a gecko. <laughs> yes, I'm I, to think deadly, I think deadly. I think deadly Gordon yes. Gecko. Exactly. Oh, oh no! Here comes the gecko. All right. So uh, <laughs> Allison got crawl out of it. What did you get out? Um, of it? Well, that was initial impression. Oh, okay. initial no, impression. Um, it definitely. Uh, I I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know where it was going to go. Um, yeah, it it was kind of. Weird in a good way for me. Okay. I, I didn't hate. I didn't hate it. You didn't hate it. But it definitely it was. Yeah, I was like, this is like weird, kind of like Dark Ages, Renaissancey. But yeah, there's this group of aliens here to make this planet part of the Federation. But it's like, how did they get here in the first place? How did yeah. they make contact? Also, how are these people not like freaked out by? Oh. <laughs> These three alien races that are here, it's like, these definitely are not the most, like, yeah. user-friendly kind of... Well, the intro- previous king's baby mama was from England, uh, from Earth, so... Well, Earth, but, like, like, the people of Peladon are very, like, humanoid. Yes. But... Except for their hair. Well. <laughs> but, At least we don't get the description of that. But the Alpha Centauri, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's tentacled with one eye, and it's like, that's horrific. Yeah. You would... You would not want to interact with that, even if it is peaceful. It's like, that's a monster. The Ice Warriors, <laughs> again, like... That's a monster? Yeah. Are you calling me off a Centauri a monster? Took it as, like, so pre-Columbian Americas. Like, once in a while, someone does show up from Europe or Asia. Right. Possibly the Middle East or Africa. But they're still humanoid. They're still a human. It's not a six-tentacled, one-eyed, like, yeah. thing. Funny purple people eater. Yeah. yeah. And then the... Arcturus. The Arcturus, like... Whoa. Yeah. But yeah. they but they also have intelligent beasts on their planet. So maybe maybe they're more used to... They're told... Agrodon? Agador. We're telling the, told the Agador is an intelligent creature. Yeah. I took him as an intelligent creature like, like livestock are intelligent. Mm. Like, yeah. He, okay. He's a big dog. Yeah. Okay. But I thought maybe they do have a framework for other intelligent sentient species on their planet. Uh, no. But no. <laughs> no, no. They worship Agador and that's about it. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. Maybe that's it. But yeah, it's this whole thing of maybe they have trisilicate on their planet. Maybe they don't. It's not really made clear why they want them in this yeah. federation. It's something worth mining. You know, something about. worth mining. Yeah. And ironically... Two episodes of this episode of this story got um, interrupted by the mine, miners' strike in mm. Britain, so the power went out. So they had to repeat episode three before doing episode four. Yeah. The power went out for the miners' strike. Yeah, the power went out in parts of Britain huh. because the miners uh, they were still 
Yeah. Just like the back just went down immediately. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh wow. Yeah. Uh, That's a really apparently. short supply chain. Yeah, it was something like that. I think they've been planning it for a while, but uh, yeah, and wouldn't you know it, the next book, the next uh, the monster paladon is going to be about miners. It's like, oh god, damn it. Yeah. Um, I thought it was interesting how the whole story took place in the Citadel, though. Mm. You know, we talk about the whole planet and the. The idea of the king of Peladon making this decision for the whole planet. And it's like, well, are these the only people here? Is this like the only civilization here? How big is the empire that he controls? Yeah. yeah. You don't really get any of that. It's just like, they're here. He's a budget is... king. Right. <laughs> He's a budget king. He's a burger king. But it really could have been more of like a small tribal group rather than continents full of people. It right. could have been a few True. hundred or thousand, maybe. Yeah, which is even odder because why would you contact, like, say, that would be a bit like contacting um, Malaysia to represent the entirety of humanity. It's yeah. just kind yeah. of weird. It's like, you're it's great and all, but... Why you have yeah. a citadel if you don't have anybody to fight? Yeah, well, yeah. they probably do. And they might, yeah, they may be a world so government. Have, does he speak for the whole planet? It must be, because we don't get it in the book, though. No. The book doesn't tell us jack really. shit about it, really. It wasn't terrible, is, but it wasn't very immersive world building, maybe, we should which say. Which is weird, because Brian Hales, later in, in later interviews, said that in his mind, Peladon just kind of goes on and on hmm. and on. Yeah. He was going to do another story with uh, Peladon. Before he died, it would, it would have been in the Tom Baker era, I think, or something like that. I can't remember what the deal was, but I love his description of the Alpha Centauri creature design and how oh, it yeah. describes its emotions through shifting color and tentacles and uh -huh. performs exasperation and tiredness yes. and all these different things. I thought that was great. Uh, physical Which we get none of except for the exasperation. Yeah. It does not change color on screen. It does not have tentacles on screen. It just has a high shrieking voice. But that I thought was the effective. I don't know if yeah. world building or just. I really like the creature design. There were there yeah. were some really good details in there for bits and pieces of it, but overall the world is very small. Yeah, it was in this one building, yeah. and it's yeah, and the tunnels that somehow some people don't know it's <laughs> the yes. king doesn't know. The king doesn't know. There, it's a castle on a mountain. There are always tunnels. Always, of course, there are because yeah. that's one of the tropes that you expect for a, right. something like this. Um, I'm looking up the uh, designs for you because I think you have a few illustrations in the mm -hmm. book of what they look like, but uh, <laughs> they. <laughs> The reality pales by comparison. That's Centauri in the middle. <laughs> the reason he has the skirt is because the director, <laughs> Lenny Main, said he looked very phallic. Oh, yeah. Wow. Well, he still like looks pretty phallic. Little pink Just, riding hood. Yes, yes exactly. Yeah. So you have that. And Arcturus. Well, I do like he has this sort of like fop or dandy thing going on. Yes. He's very into fashion. and He has a very high voice, and it's actually done by a, a female actor. And Arcturus, oh, God. There was a there's a good line at the end uh, when they're talking about going and fighting or something, and it's uh, he's the, the Ice Warrior says he didn't include Alpha Centauri because you're a natural pacifist and your habitual hysteria will do nothing for our morale. Yes. <laughs> I love that line. So good. That's what Arcturus looks like. He's just kind of a little fright wig and a uh, oh, nice yeah. thing, hmm, which creepy. is interesting. Yeah, very creepy. creepy. Like. 
Though you wonder how a species like that evolved enough to have, create a travel machine for itself and all of that. Maybe that's the brain that's been evolved yeah. to that point. But yeah. yeah, at least they tried. At least they tried. Yeah, so there is something that. different. Honestly, whenever I was reading some of the descriptions of these, I was like, is this some kind of weird offshoot of a Dalek or some pre-Dalek yes, yeah. or some like... Small, soft-bodied creature that's created yeah. a conveyance mechanism something, for something along that lines, and it didn't go that way, and I'm no. fine with that, but... <laughs> you made your peace with it. Yeah, I, because <laughs> I immediately, once things started going, I was like, yeah, somebody somewhere's got... There's some double-crossing. Yeah. Other than the priests. Mm-hmm. There's someone else here that's doing something. True. They are very distinct in design and voice and characterization in a way that often the foreign alien diplomat trope is a room full of characters that have different designs, but other than that, they're interchangeable. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah. Like guest cast. True. Yeah. True. There is that. Did you know it was Arcturus? Did you figure it out? Hmm? No. 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 Did you really care? <laughs> it's not much of a murder mystery at all, really. I'm just glad Mike Yates didn't show up to save oh, the day. Oh, God. Oh, I know. <laughs> I mean, She's going on a date I don't him. hate the character. and In all fairness, that did sound like a pretty casual thing where she was more excited about a night out than he was just an available escort. But I <laughs> the character is perfectly fine, but he didn't need, he doesn't need building up. He doesn't need more story. Right. True. I say as if someone's still writing Mike Yates stories out there. Somewhere, somewhere else, someone is still there, writing there Mike Yates stories furiously at the very moment. There but mostly Richard Franklin, but that's okay. We'll allow him it's to an do age it. of casual dating. Yes, it is. I suppose so. Good lord. At least Ben would take her dancing. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it could win a prize. Yes, it could win a prize. <laughs> And I was also relieved she didn't stay there with Peladon. Oh, I know. What we're told is, like, young and handsome, and we see an illustration, and he has already the receding hairline. Look, okay, he's not that young. Yes. Yeah. He looks like John Barrymore, in fact, a lot. Except all the, pal- the pals have reddish hair, but with a white skunk streak going mm. through them, which is probably why Hales didn't. Yeah, he's... yeah that's kind of, kind of what he looks like. Yeah. But he's just, he, yeah, he looks like an older gentleman. Yes, yes I was, I was imagining someone who was like 18 from what they were Yeah, he is young, as it turns out, but he doesn't look... Well, sometimes the hair starts to go around 18. <laughs> True. He does have a lisp as well, which I think is just a royal lisp type. Oh, he's a Habsburg. Yeah, yeah, it's something like that, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of bizarre, really. What did we like about this book, if anything? Well... The, the writing is actually done really well. Mm-hmm. You know, the, there is a lot of care taken to describe the bits and pieces that we do get described. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah, even just like the, the very beginning, that first... Yeah, the description of the storm. Yeah, mm-hmm. just talking about kind of the, the lightning and the thunder and all of that. Mm-hmm. You really get a feeling for the cliff that the doctor... And, and Joe end up landing on, you know, the bit of danger of them climbing up to the castle, um, even describing the tunnels themselves, you know. It's very atmospheric in the beginning, but then that sort of trails off. It, it really like. does. Yeah. That and the kind of silliness of the TARDIS landing on the edge of a cliff and their body weight is all that's keeping it from going over. It's like, ah, oh, okay. We don't watch Doctor Who for the physics or the science. We watch it for the drama, but still, even that was kind of like, oh, God, oh, man. Can, I, can I admit something? 
I have always disliked this story to the point that for this one, this is the first time I haven't rewatched the story after <laughs> reading the book. Because I was just like, yeah, no, I'm thank done. You. No, I, I don't want to. I don't want to. No, I it's just don't want to do it. Much more of a children's story than any that we've read in a long time. Yeah. Normally they seem pitched to more age, like 12 to 14. Mm-hmm. More political ideas. Although we do get some of that towards the end here. Mm-hmm. And this is more of a, you know, pitched to an 8 to 10 year old reading level. Which is not a criticism at all. It's no, just no. different than what we have been reading. It's still good prose, but <clears throat> you're right. It's not Malcolm Hulk. No. It's a much more streamlined narrative as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It definitely goes from A to B to Z. Certainly the uh, deaf and, not the deaf and dumb character, the dumb character, um, <clears throat> what's his name, Grun, Grun, yeah. um, is a lot easier to take on the page than he is on screen, because, I mean, just think of what that looks like, whereas at least here he has an interior life, mm-hmm. he's intelligent, Whereas on screen, he's basically Toberman all over again mm. from Tomb of the Cybermen. And I, I was expecting him to turn out to be one of the villains in a way that would be very predictable and, I don't know, somehow narratively cruel. So they gave him a little bit of interesting yeah. story there. Though Hale still, still did pull the whole lassie thing with him at the end of chapter five. You know, what is it, boy? Joe's in danger? Take me there. <laughs> yeah, there was that feeling yeah. of that. But, dear God. I'm just glad he made it through. Yeah. Because that's odd, isn't it? Usually that character, you know, they have that that last-ditch effort to save someone and they mm-hmm. die. He would die, die for a Joe. cause. Yes. Yeah. So the fact that, that he lived, I was I was happy with that. Yeah. In fact, <laughs> the body count for the story is relatively low. I think only, what, two people die? The guy mm. at the very beginning mm. and then Hepesh? No. <laughs> there are multiple guards that get killed. Oh, wait, that's right. Well, who cares about them? Yeah, I mean, they're characters. Sure. But it's funny, I mean, people we care about. It's not terribly explicit relative to some of the other people. No, no it well, isn't. In fact, maybe that's when I was skinning through the book. It's like, okay, I know well, what happens here. Huh? He he does describe uh, Grunt stabbing no... someone through the throat. Oh, really? Tony yes. has no regard for the working stiff. <laughs> no, not really, especially if they're <laughs> stiff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's... there's Later in the book, when they're storming the palace, yes, there, oh, there's a okay. scene. I think it's whenever he's going, when Grun is going to find Hepesh at the the altar, the, or al- whatever it the is. altar with you know his his henchman that he's turned. Uh, yeah. yeah, and once Grun kind of takes them by surprise, he does stab one in the throat. Mm-hmm. And then later, when they get into the throne room, they talk about someone's uh, arm being sliced. Oh yeah, <laughs> and okay. it's like it's very descriptive. It's like. Oh, I missed that. Oh, I missed it too. I must have been yeah. skimming at that point because, yeah. like, ah, God, yeah, it was there. It was. Oh, okay. It's a little gruesome, but uh, all right. Well, man. good. Glad you like that. Um, <laughs> I mean, I didn't. It's either here or there, but it it, it was yeah. it was in there. It was in there. That's Death, true. Destruction. Speaking of being in there, what do you all feel about Joe in this one? She finally has something to do. <laughs> like he didn't stay there with the prince. She didn't, she didn't stay with the prince. She was strong. She had a perspective and a point of view. She didn't take anybody's shit. <laughs> you know? Even though the doctor tells her at one point, what is it, something like, he doesn't pat her on the head this time. But something no. like, oh, here, there's a good girl. Like, yeah. that is literally something yes. you say to a canine. <laughs> it is indeed. It was like the one instance of that in this whole book. But also, she like, pretty much ignores him. Too. Yeah, she right. Yeah. She, 
she's getting to that point. She's starting to snap back at him yeah. quite a bit, which is good. Which I'm here for it. Absolutely. I, love it. <laughs> I did so. enjoy the, the scritching of the beast as well. As Ellen replied, the normally fearsome monster growled, but with pleasure, like a contented cat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Scritching yeah, it behind the ears. Agador is kind of cute. Yeah. That's true. Which is the yes. problem. Oh. <laughs> Agador is way too cute. <clears throat> Which um, actually brings me to an interesting story about the production. In fact, one of the few interesting stories about the production um, the director, Lenny Main, was known for, you know, swearing like a sailor on set. And they were rehearsing the scene where Agador bursts into the, uh, the, 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 throne room. the throne room. And how, you know, just like as that. Kitty is doing just right like now, that. running around the fucking room. living room. And the actors weren't responding to it, really. But the uh, this foul-mouthed Australian director was like, oh my god, that's not the way you'd react. If you saw something like this coming into your room, you would say, holy fucking cow. So apparently, a week later, when they did the producer's run for Barry Letts and Terrence Dix, where they did the entire story, they got to that scene, Agador bursts in, the entire cast turns around, looks at him, and says, in unison, holy fucking cow! (laughs) (laughs) Was he gratified? (laughs) Well, yeah. Well, apparently Barry Letts talked to John Pertwee because he knew who the ringleader was on that one. But yes... Yeah, he said a, a, a word was had. <laughs> a word was had with our star over that one. I slander. That is brilliant. But, uh, yeah. Joe, yeah, Joe's surprisingly good in this, especially coming up with the whole idea of acting as a princess just off the top of her head. Oh, yeah. And the doctor has to catch up with her and go along with it. And, yeah. and she's more of an action girl, too. She yeah. goes out on the cliff. Climbing... Climbing up to the Citadel, climbing out the window and walking mm-hmm. around the ledge. Well, the best scenes with Joe that we've seen in various stories so far are showing her thinking on her feet and developing within the story. Yes. Figuring out yeah. new things, being scrappy and inventive. Yes, indeed. Indeed. So it's good to know that we'll get at least a little more of that. She is improving. Yes, finally. Mainly because she has the time to I mean, she's going to be with us for the rest of this season and the rest of the next. I was quite concerned that this would be her last story. Nope, not at all. We get three seasons with Joe. You only get one companion who decides to stay somewhere and be a princess. Yeah, exactly. And they've, they've already used their rationale. They have already done that. They yeah. already did. Poor Vicky. Uh, I actually didn't hate that. It wasn't terrible, <laughs> but you get to do it one time. Yeah, exactly. And our readers and it wasn't some random Vicky. planet. You got to... You know, she yeah, got she to join the Iliad. Troilus, of all things. Well, good lines, I like. Yes. Uh, Turus is a coward by logic, explained the Martian, and Alpha Centauri is a coward by instinct. <laughs> yes. And when I'm trying to figure out how to work into a personal motto or part of my resume is, for an Earthling, his, his, is early. I said that wrong. Is it It's clear. For, for an Earthling, hissed that guy. The Doctor has a brain of considerable quality. <laughs> I like to think that for an earthling, I have a brain of considerable quality. I'd like to run my tongue over it at some point and taste its quality. I would not put that on my resume, ever. <laughs> <laughs> Do we like the Ice Warriors like this? You said that you did. You like them as good guys. Well, I like 
the idea. There, there are often comments in these stories about the barbaric past of humanity. Right. Mm-hmm. And how humanity used to be quite tribal and constantly at war. And sometimes they're referring back to 20th century humans when they talk about this. Right. And other species will, on other planets, will talk about their own past. Mm-hmm. This might be one of the, the first times that we've seen a species shown as being quite tribal and warlike. Not tribal amongst themselves, but mm-hmm. warlike and conquest-oriented with the humans, and then we see them move on and develop, yes. and that's, that, that's new. That is new. And it's a good decision, really, because the Ice Warriors do have a lot going for them as far as unexplored alien races, as the new series is showing. The Doctor quotes Muhammad Ali. Yes. Yeah, how do we feel about that? God. Now, what year did this come out? 19... Well, the book is 75. The show is 72. Yeah. So, it would have been right around the time that Cassius Clay was making his transmogrification into Muhammad Ali and facing off against Superman in the big form comic in, I think, 1976? Was it 74 or 75? I don't know. I don't either. It's a pity. We've got with a wry smile and his own variation of the Ali shuffle. So is it any good is my question. You've <laughs> seen the episode. Um, well, he doesn't do that in okay. the televised version. Oh, of course, not the televised version? No. Okay. Well, it's one of the new things. Okay. Yeah. Does he say chap? Old chap. He does. That much? Yeah, he does. I know. I know, really. That's so much. I know, Everyone's a nice old one chap. or old chap. <laughs> old know. chap, young chap. Or old boy, or... <laughs> My dear fellow. Yeah. So the first time I thought it became kind of politically interesting is when Peladon goes all Henry VIII and decides that he is going <laughs> to... He'll be running religion now, that he's going to communicate directly with the deity and he doesn't need a priest anymore. Oh, okay. Which is usually... Well, I, I want to like, you know, give away the end of the story, but usually it's not a hero moment. Yeah. Uh, if, if a king decides that he'll be running religion now as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm actually kind of always nervous about a benevolent monarch story. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. What do we think of that? Well, when he, when he, I thought it was interesting that he was speaking to the portrait. I don't can I keep this creature name in my head up to the Agador portrait. That is new to the book. And thinking about how absurd it is to believe in such a creature. Yes. Which I thought was interesting because the creature has killed someone almost in front of him earlier, like right. outside in the hallway. But not as a god, but as a beast. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So why would you worship a beast unless you were bestial in your own way? What do we think of that scene? Well, if I cared about the story at all, I'd probably um, think it was unusual. As it is, I'm like, uh, I guess it's an addition to something to improve the general idea of it. And I know that Hales wants to give his character some justification for what they're doing. Sorry. Maybe that's what it is. Well, I thought it was especially kind of edgy in the context of this story that he is intentionally being, Peladon is intentionally being blasphemous to see if anything would happen to him. Oh, yeah. And that, that was kind of an interesting yeah, adolescent is, Oh, because he says he's not struck thing. by lightning. Yes, yeah. yes. He says he's aware that he is committing sacrilege right. and of course there is someone who comes and attempts yeah. to strike him, but it's not any kind of supernatural deity. Right. It's the priest who, That's who right. comes out. Well, I think I think it kind of sets up this idea that 
and the doctor kind of demonstrates with with Agador that the the beast itself can be very terrifying, ruthless, deadly, but also can be you know like a giant kitten. It can be exactly. very lovely and cuddly yes. and protective in a good way. Um, so I think it kind of sets up this idea that the king is having to struggle with of you know whether he wants to be benevolent or wants mm-hmm. to be kind of just an asshole. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what will I do? What will I do today? <laughs> will I be benevolent or <laughs> the other way? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So the whole the whole thing is kind of teeters on this, you know, choosing to choosing between two paths. Yeah. And kind of alternating between them. Um, you know, and even even setting up the idea of Hapesh and the other, um, who was his other mentor? Who was oh, the one who died, died at the beginning. The one who died at the beginning, his name was that. Didn't even bother putting the Chancellor. Him yeah. But just kind of the idea there, too, of, you know, there were two people that kind of helped inform him as he was growing up to prepare right. him to be king. And they each kind of taught him similar things, but each with their own perspective mm-hmm. on how things should be. Well, the Hepesh was not corrupt before, probably. Right. This yeah. is pretty new. And goes back to not being corrupt when he dies. He kind of has mm-hmm. one of those moments where he's like, oh hell, I'm dying. <laughs> I just realized I was such an ass throughout this whole thing. I was wrong. <laughs> Forgive me my bad behavior. I was most disgusting. It's like something you'd say after dinner. You've repaid badly. Yeah. <laughs> Like this exchange. Or one of our podcast <laughs> <laughs> You lie, exclaimed Tepesh. His manifestation is holy and he will take a terrible revenge. Rubbish, clipped the doctor. That manifestation, as you call it, is a solid, hairy fact. I'm just recharged by solid, hairy fact. fact. I had that in my notes, too. Oh, you know what else is charming? The song that the doctor sings to... The um, Venetian lullaby? Yes, is to the tube of God resting Mary gentlemen. <laughs> it's really kind of sweet. But... Currently is doing Venusian lyrics to it. It was actually kind of cute. But, yeah. So there's that, I suppose. Alright, so there's good Joe. There's good Ice Warriors. We kind of like the Agador stuff. I like the Alpha Centauri stuff. The descriptions and the dialogue. Okay. Nice sort of grumpy diplomat. diplomat Yes, we'll be seeing him, or rather it, again, because he is a... uh, Asexual hexapod, I think is the way they pronounce it. I was going to say, female voice wearing a pink cape, could it just be a female officer? No, centaur? it's okay. not, because they refer to him as he whenever they uh, slip up and misgender him. Which they do a lot. Oh, God. Anything else? I'm just finding little, I have little phrases here and there. So, operatic octopus was no <laughs> way of describing the officer. I'm going to see a man about a door. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and this troop of dead and absentee parents that you get in science fiction and fantasy, Paladon's parents are already dead, even though they're living in this far-flung future where they presumably have ways to avoid that. And when we go, spoiler alert, when we go back to uh, Paladon Monster Paladon, his daughter is now queen, and he's dead. That's like, oh, God. The ex- life expectancy rate on that planet is just for shit. Yeah, but they're, you know, they're in kind of a backwater. They a little have bit. All the 
latest medical facility. But that's also some. That, that that's <laughs> kind of in line with history. People don't live that long. Yeah, but still, if they're members of the you know Federation or whatever it is, the Galactic yeah. Federation, they should have at least you know a hyperscreen or something handy around. Here's an example of the Alpha Centauri uh, <laughs> content that I enjoyed. Alpha Centauri turned a delicate shade of blue and gave a slow blink of its single watery eye. Didn't like being shouted at. <laughs> yes. Even though it has a very shrill voice and screams every once in a while. Let me see if I can find a, a clip. It's, it's career civil service. It's <laughs> yeah. It came here to sign documents and move on. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And that's for this cold stone cell of an accommodation. Oh, that's right. They bring Alpha Centauri back, and, um, that's right. When they bring the, um, Ice Warrior Queen in the new series, they bring Alpha Centauri mm-hmm. back. So, it has appeared in the new series. Because the voice actress who played him is still alive. So, Alpha hmm. Centauri is always an individual? I thought it was just, yes. like... The Alpha Centauri, or the representative of the Alpha Centauri. No. Okay. No, I think that's actually the name. Um, Let me see if I can find a good audio clip. Oh, wait. What was the awkward moment? Of the, that first person you heard, heard speaking. That's what Alpha Centauri sounds like. So it it gets he's cute and all, but he gets old very quickly, a little bit. God, just like that. Mm-hmm. Kitty, our own Agadon. Agador. I'm sorry. This is the. It's slippery on the brain. I cannot retain the creature <laughs> That's title. Okay. Oh my god. Alright, anything else? I am out of material. Yeah. It, it's a shame, really, because, I mean, Day of the Daleks actually gave us quite a bit to talk about, whereas this, which is a shame, because Brian Hale's prose style isn't bad. No, the said. story's not bad. Yeah, and the writing isn't bad, and the characterization's pretty good, and Joe is great, and... Yeah. Perfectly good bowl of Wheaties. Yeah, exactly, yeah. except it doesn't have any sugar on it. Yeah, it's like your overnight oats. Yes, well, my, sh- my, my overnight oats actually taste quite good, because there's sweetness in them, but no. this would be if you did just, you know, plain, plain with skin milk. Grape nuts. <laughs> oh, God, break your teeth on that shit. Crunch. Dentist trying to drum up business brought us great notes. Yeah, boy, did they ever. Oh, boy. So. Um, oh, uh, I kept waiting for the other Earth delegates to show up. Oh, yes. Yes. And they didn't until the very the end. very end. Amazonia, as she's called in the credits, even though she's not named on screen. Yeah. I kept waiting for that to be a plot point. Yeah. For that to be like a source of friction or something. Doctor you know? being locked up. Yes. Joe is on the um, run. And you think they'd at least mention it when they go back to Paladon a hundred years later? Oh, they don't even. Well, no, they don't even bring it up. They're just like, oh, it's so good to see you again, Doctor. <laughs> it's like, the hell? Didn't he, you know, just. Lie to lie you? Lie again? 
But I do a previous generation. Yeah, you lied to a previous generation, and I guess everything worked out in the end, so welcome back. But Alpha Centauri's still alive. It's the same creature. Yeah, different lifespan. (laughs) That's okay. Again, everything worked out. They have very good health care. They have very good health care on Alpha Centauri. The Scooby gang figured it out, and... But it is like a Scooby-Doo, isn't it? A little bit. You almost expect them to pull the... Mask off half passion. It's Professor Hyde White. What? Yes. yes. But, um, Scooby-Doo is a classic skeptic show. It's yeah. never paranormal. It's, it's always an adult, usually a real estate developer, trying to scare the kids. Yeah. Until later, of course. And then they did make it. Um, X-Files-ish. Last of us. The other thing I was thinking, too, um, Agador was reminding me of uh, the Yeti. Oh. Mm. So initially I was thinking yeah. maybe this isn't a real beast, maybe mm-hmm. it's some kind of robotic beast mm-hmm. that would have been a good turn. Mm-hmm. Controlled by our oh, I was thinking, right. I was thinking the Looney Tunes Yeti. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. it turned out to actually be a, just a wild beast. It's so. just a wild beast. Which is fine. Yeah. That's fine. Doctor needs wild beasts every once yeah. in a while. Everything can't be a robot with hair. <laughs> so, that's true. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, I think coming that's... this fall from Target, <coughs> a new line of robots with hair. <laughs> so, shall we go to Goodreads? It's probably the it. earliest we've ever gone to Goodreads in a while. Alright, well, as we always do, let's go to Goodreads.com for online reviews of the book written by other readers. There weren't any this time. Then follow up with our own ratings. By the way, if you're listening to this podcast and want to have your review featured when we get to an upcoming book, or you simply have a question about it, simply read the book, write a review, or comment in our new Goodreads group. It's not new anymore. By the deadline, so that we have a chance to see it before discussing the book ourselves, you may just get your review read out loud here, except in this case. The average rating for this book on Goodreads out of five stars is a fairly high... 3.62. I was really shocked by that. And I'm even more shocked by some of the reviews. Nick gives it four stars and says, While there were minor flaws in the story, they seem to have been in the original script. So they were not added by Brian Hales in the fleshing out of the story. This is true. What made the story interesting for me is that it was an attempt to show a future in which humans and the Ice Warriors of Mars more or less coexisted peacefully. The aliens were not all good or all evil, and Peladon is clearly an old Earth colony of some odd sort, since they are apparently cross-fertile with the Earth humans. That's a point. Since he had written an earlier story... <laughs> Voyager is flying in the next room, sorry. The what? Oh, we're doing the intro to Voyager, sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, because someone can't turn their TV down. Since he had written an earlier story of the Ice Warriors, this helped to flesh them out. And the new species he created for the story were interesting as well. The culture of Paladon was actually the weakest part of the story since we see so little of it. The king, his advisors, and the guards were about it. Um, questions came up in my mind, such as why the king lives in a wildly isolated setting in a culture where rapid communications ought to be difficult. That sort of cuts down on the ruling and control parts of your job as king. It's a pity Brian Hales died so young, because he might have contributed other interesting stories beyond the few that he did write. Now I will have to track down the others that he wrote, as well as the obscure Doug McClure sci-fi movie that he wrote shortly before his death, which I never heard of. 
So I'll have to try to get that one too. Frederick Lopez gives it three stars, saying, The prose in this book is heavy with the adjectives, and the action is somewhat over-described. The key example is page 108, a wall of text describing a, bat, a combat between the Doctor and the King's Companion. The elaborate verbiage the novel gives the novel an immersive feel, but it is difficult to escape the suspicion that Hales is padding out a pretty thin script. King's as it companion is. Give us a whole new dimension to that relationship. Do I know? He means the King's Champion, right? Yeah. Well, I'm just saying, that would give a whole new dimension to their relationship, who is also the King's Companion. Oh, did I say Companion? Yeah. Sorry. And no, no, the reviewer did. Oh, oh. Well, I probably did. The villainous priest expressed concern that his planet would be exploited as a result of joining the Federation. And I really wish that this sort of colonial and economic anxiety was more prominent in the novel, given that this book was written in the 70s when many of Britain's former colonies in Africa were gaining independence. It's not difficult to see a post colonial subtext. The reference to a developing planet only confirms this suspicion. Uh, overall, I'd describe this book as okay. I've read better books dealing with a complex topic than this Doctor Who. I'd recommend Stephen Baxter's Wheel of Ice and or Jim Mortimer's Campaign before reading this. Holy shit. Campaign before reading this? Are you trying to kill people? Good God. Let me see if I can explain Campaign. I don't know what he refers to. Campaign. Um... <laughs> Jim Mortimer was one of the writers, is one of the writers for the new Adventures books. And he was well known for just basically killing every character in his book. Just because? Yeah, yeah. Everybody does. Everybody does. Everybody does. And he did a first Doctor story that he ended up not being able to get published by BBC Books because uh, the publisher at the time said it was incomprehensible. So he yes. So he published it independently. It's not hard to understand. Everyone does. Yes, exactly. And did it for charity. And the book is very interesting because it's prose. It's comic book. It has a it has a game in it. It's kind of multimedia. Yes, in much the same way that this podcast is right now. <laughs> well, they orchestral vision. Oh, <laughs> Opening sequence of Star Trek Voyager. Yes, I think people... Well, probably... Readers, you probably can't hear it because we play the, our music over the section, but yeah, we are listening to the uh, Star Trek Voyager thing <laughs> in the background. It is being framed up. I think it's Jerry Goldsmith, right? It's Jerry Goldsmith. So yeah. it's fine. I mean, our music is Jerry better. And finally, Mel... Gives it a whopping five stars and says, This has to be one of my all-time favorite Doctor Who episodes. They're interesting aliens, lots of plot twists, the bad guys who aren't the bad guys, diplomacy, and the idea of freedom over religious superstition. <laughs> There's also <laughs> that freedom of religious superstition? Yes, freedom <laughs> over it. Quite a left-handed oh <laughs> freedom kind over of a it. left-handed compliment. Freedom over religious Demo, we have freedom of religious superstition <laughs> in this state. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I meant at all. Um, there's also Patrick Trout's son in tights. 
Joe being totally amazing, climbing mountains and high heels, attacking monsters with torches, brokering intergalactic peace, rescuing herself, and not screaming or needing the doctor to save her once. The book must be based on their early script instead of the shooting script as it has some extra scenes and dialogue that aren't included in the show. The good of these include Joe going to the King's Champion and pleading her case for him to let the doctor win their battle. We forgot to talk about that. And the doctor discussing weapons with the Ice Warriors. The bad included Arcturus firing his laser when you first meet him, which makes him seem like more like a bad guy and reveals too early his offensive capabilities. The description of Officatory is lovely. Instead of an awkward penis-type thing in a cloak, she he's a lovely shimmering octopus creature changing color with moods, although they don't have the line about him or her being gender-neutral. Hales also does a better job of getting inside the characters and their thoughts than Terrence Sticks usually does. <gasps> oh, for shame. For shame. All told, a very nice adaptation to the story. So, Dalton, five stars? What'd you give it? What'd you give it? I'm going to go with three stars for this. Oh, um, shocking. Shocking, why? Because it's so high. I'm sorry, go ahead. Why hmm. would you give it three? I thought, I thought you were going to go higher, actually. I did, too. But go ahead. You thought I was going to go higher? Well, because you enjoy the Joe content so much. Early we stand corrected. Surprise. We sit around um, corrected. I, I, <laughs> the, the prose is good. The, the book itself is very workmanly. It, it's very much just kind of straightforward. This is the story. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it just left me with too many questions. It, ha- it left me feeling like there should have been more added for so much... To be in here for this book to have been as long as it was, yeah, it feels kind of empty. Yeah, it does. Um, even even though I did enjoy the writing style and enjoyed the descriptions of the characters, the witty banter between Joe and the Doctor, Joe and the other uh, delegates, you know, it still just feels kind of empty, and it left me wanting a little more. So. Yeah, three stars. Maybe 3.5. Maybe I'll give it another half a point. But it's <laughs> you still... You don't have to. No, it's just... No, no, no. Yeah. I don't know. As opposed to a couple of the last books that we've read that were really kind of all-encompassing, really, like, took you there, this just left me with too many questions. Too much, like, well, yeah. Eh? Exactly. So, yeah. I, that, that. That, I think that's why I would knock it off. Just, yeah, because okay. it's just too vacuous. Scandalous. <laughs> out, of, <laughs> out of five stars. Well, Dalton makes a good point. We have had a very good run for the we last have. three or four books. Um, so, uh, and now, does everyone who've ever, who's ever spoken ill of Terrence Dix have to go to the internet and erase their remarks now that he's passed no, on? No, 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 no. Because we'll be getting back to the Dix jokes pretty quickly. <laughs> right. So right. don't worry about that. We, the interregnum will be over the soon. Carol <laughs> Bloom quote, if we do not speak ill of the dead, who will? Yes, um, exactly. So, um, I'd probably go too. I, I thought it was pleasant. It was a little simpler reading level than we've been reading, but that's not a problem yeah. at all. I enjoyed some of the characterization, some good action for Joe, really like Alpha Centauri, some good moments. But overall, I, I agree with Dalton. It, it felt like 80 pages worth of story, and our PDF version was 156. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so, so not bad, but mm-hmm. not a whole lot there either. Yeah. It's not one of the stick to the rib story. No. Stories. It really isn't. And for that reason, <clears throat> I would give it a 2.5, because I'm usually right between the two of you. Um... Mainly because it was one of those, 
this uh, very few of these books have felt like just an assignment. Kind of like, oh, God, okay, we got to get through this before we get to the next one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, you, you joke. There is a book called Power of Kroll, which we will yeah. be reading later, and it'll <laughs> feel very much like this one. But, yeah, this one is just, I like Hale's prose style. I just wish he wrote better stories. The Peladon stories have a lot of very vocal fans. I've never understood it. I've never kind of liked this combination of sci-fi and fantasy. You can see together. the potential. It's just not right. very developed here. No. Some good seeds. Yeah. The idea of this society that's going from a very religious society mm-hmm. to perhaps a more scientific one, very isolated, right. to more international relations, mm-hmm. etc. But they're, the seeds are there, but they have not yet germinated. Yeah, and if it really was a post-colonial book, we should have gotten a lot more of that. I don't story. think it was post-colonial at all. They've really? been isolated, not dominated. Yeah, that's like. true. Well, we, we did say that there's the thought that maybe it's a former Earth colony. Because they can breed with humans. But then everybody in sci-fi can breed. Hell, the Doctor had an Ice Warrior companion in a comic strip once, and it married a human female. So God only knows what the sex is like there. Well, and even if they were an Earth colony, it feels like they've been left to their own devices for... Ever. Well, we don't know if they produced fertile offspring. We don't have a sperm count on Peladon. That's true. He, he does produce a, a daughter. Mm, so enough. there is that. At least that. Yeah. Well, thank you, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and thank you, fellow time travelers, for well wasting your time with us this time. Next time... we got enough serious content for a while. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Next time we get Malcolm Hulk. And his book, The Sea Devils. In the meantime, if you've liked what you've heard here, or even if you haven't, like us on Facebook at Dr. Target Book Club Podcast, all over those spaces like a crazy person. You can also visit our mostly pristine subreddit at reddit.com forward slash r forward slash dwtargetbc. Feel free to watch videos of our first 12 episodes. Give us a thumbs up or comment on YouTube at... Uh, youtube.com use a forward slash user forward slash emperor forward slash videos follow us on twitter we're at dwtargetbc subscribe to us via the podcaster provider of your choice including spotify but not podbean not, not podbean we're not sellouts like some people if all else fails you no we love you larry if all else fails you email us at dwtargetbc at gmail.com our new theme by Aaron S. is available at his YouTube channel at tinyurl.com forward slash Y32B8F55, along with many, many others. Give him a follow, a thumbs up, smash that button, do whatever you do to that button. I don't care what you do to that button, just do it. Thank you very much for listening, and enjoy your travels. Bye-bye. Goodbye. <laughs> As I'm looking at the the cover, uh, Agador's reminding me a little Bebop from Teenage Mutant oh Ninja Turtles. Oh, you're right. <laughs> oh dear God, I love it. Um, oh, you bring that up for me. Oh, it does. It looks like Bebop. It looks like Agador, but with a little little uh-huh. um, leather vest. Yeah, made of his own fur. Yeah. That's kind of troubling. Just a little bit. Like it's a fur of a family member. Oh. No. Yeah.
the, the planet has to have something to explore besides minerals. Mm. They may not even have the minerals. Actually, oh, who gosh, cares? They're there to breed in for Abagadors for their fur? That's, yeah. That, that's rough. Oh, who the fuck cares? It's Peladon. <laughs> anyway, well. Bye.